in the rule of Cameroon, I don't think there's a five-axis uh, CNC machine. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Our guest on today's show is Edwin Mabimka, director of the High Tech Center of the National Advanced School of Engineering at the University of Yaoundé in Cameroon. The High Tech Center features technologies such as CNC machines, robotics, and state-of-the-art 3D printers supplied by the Israeli government. Edwin's mission is to educate engineering students in the hope that they can transform Cameroon one day into an industrialized economy. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am very honored to be with Edwin Noinsevar Mbikar, the manager of the High Tech Center in Yaoundé, Cameroon. Welcome to the show, Edwin. Feel free to correct my uh, my pronunciation of your name if you'd like. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Very good. So today we're going to talk about the high tech industry, uh, manufacturing in Cameroon. I want to first give a little background to how this interview came to be. You know, our our used machine tool business, Graf Pinkert. We get contacted from people all over the world looking for equipment. And Edwin contacted us uh, two weeks ago looking for a five-axis machining center. Usually, if people contact us from Africa, it's somebody to go right in the spam folder. Uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, I looked at his name and looked looked at what he was asking for, and it you know, it seemed like an actual legitimate inquiry for a machine. And I so I, I wanted to find out more. And it, it turned out he had a really interesting story. You're a professor? Yes. You're, you know, that he's a professor at a high tech center, and he wanted a machine for students. And, you know, we, we do get that sometimes in the United States. And so I set out to find a machine for him. And then everybody I spoke with said, don't send a machine to Cameroon. Don't try to send a machine to Cameroon. You're just going to get in trouble with the U.S. government. And I said, I'm sorry, Edwin. <laughs> You're going to have to go somewhere else to get a machine. However, I would love to do a podcast interview with you and, and get to know you. So he was gracious enough to allow me uh, to get to know him and to do an interview. First, I just want to find out exactly what your organization is, what you guys do, 
I'm going to get a little background on you, and then I've got all kinds of questions about Cameroon and manufacturing there, and this is just a whole different world. I've been researching it a bit, and when I hear Cameroon or Africa in general, unless it's South Africa, I do not think of manufacturing. We did do an interview with somebody in South Africa, but I mean, it's that's like saying, you know, I interviewed somebody in Mexico and saying, oh, it's like Canada. You know, I mean, yes, it's on the same continent, but, you know, you have to watch yourself to really, you know, stereotype every country is the same. So I'll stop talking now. And I want you to to first tell us about your organization. And then I want to get a little background on you. So what is the high tech center that you are the manager for? As the high tech center, we have here in the National Advanced School of Engineering, of the University of Yaoundé One, which is a state university, it belongs to the government. So this high-tech center was inaugurated in 2012, uh, dealing with uh, electrics, robotics, uh, CNC mills, CNC lathes, mechatronics, uh, SIM, computer-integrated manufacturing, and so on. So uh, uh, this technology came was proposed to us by uh, the Israeli government. That is so interesting. Yeah, I, I, yes. I was reading and about so, that. And so uh, the, the company called uh, Intellitech, which is based in the U.S., they are the ones who manufacture all the equipment we have here. And uh, through this equipment, since 2012 till 2019, we were able to master a lot of technology with the students and uh, the students began to make small small projects and then we realized we at some point we have to be able to make prototypes mm. and that is why uh, we went in for 3d printing and uh, israeli partners again helped us and uh, we were able to acquire about 13 13 printers uh, from Stratasys. Have you heard about Stratasys? From, from Strat- you said? Yes, yes. Uh, they are real big uh, industrial machines, modern machines, uh, about the best in the world. Wow. And uh, I can say uh, the 3D printing facility we have, there is no other one in the whole of Africa like this because uh, the engineers who help us to install machine they came from south africa okay and uh, and uh, they said there's nothing like this in south africa interesting and they doubt whether in north africa morocco algeria tunisia whether they will have such a thing facility so we started with the 3d printing facility and we are making prototypes for our students and people and making all kinds of devices and uh, only in plastic. Okay. We are making a lot of medical devices also. And then uh, COVID came in in 2020. That's when we got our first COVID case in March of 2020. And it's one of the worst places for COVID in Africa, yes? No, 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 no. We are one of the least. Oh, one of the least. Cam- Cameroon is yes. one of the least affected in Africa. Uh, one of the least affected. Oh, I, I was reading, I read somewhere that they were one of the worst. Maybe were you one of the first no, no, no. ones to be affected in Africa? 
Yeah, we are because in all, I think uh, we got about uh, two thousand deaths. That's all. Uh, Isn't that yeah. messed up that we're saying? Oh, it's only two thousand deaths. <laughs> I know. Um, okay. All right. Back up. Back up. So we had uh, some uh, a good number of customers in Israel. Yes, I want to know. So I'm I'm Jewish. I know some about Israel. How does Israel get involved in Cameroon? What is the story behind that? And then we'll go back into other stuff. Israel is a very good friend of Cameroon. We have very good diplomatic relations uh, dating back into to the foundation of Israel in 1967. You know, most Israeli past uh, prime ministers have visited Cameroon. So how did that, why, why, what is the origin of that? Did they do that as a defensive move against other less friendly countries? Cameroon is a strategic country mm-hmm. uh, because it, it is located in the crossroad between Central and West Africa. The, the crossroad and, between Central and West Africa? Yes. And you know, in, in West Africa, you have a giant country like Nigeria, which is bordering Cameroon. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other side, we have the two Congos, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is a vast country too, and the Republic of Congo, Central Africa Republic. Those are the countries bounding us. So we Cameroon is like a point of access to these two sub-regions, and uh, many businesses can pass along this line. So Israel, once upon a time, said, oh, this seems like an interesting country to have a good relationship with, we're going to send diplomats over and get a relationship. Is that how it happened? Yes, there are a lot of Israeli businesses in Cameroon, and they are progressing. And uh, I have been to Israel in 2018 for about a month. I was in Jerusalem, and I was able to visit uh, many sites in uh, Galilee. Interesting. And you were working there? No, I went, I was invited by the Israeli government uh, to participate uh, in, a, in a program uh, for the in, entrepreneurship in the education system. Interesting. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so for a long time, Israel has had a relationship. They've wanted to have a diplomatic relationship. And then I'm assuming for the diplomacy, they've invested a lot in the country. Yes. Okay, so they built this facility that you're the manager of, correct? Yes, yes. They, they, they help us to identify the kind of uh, material we need to use in training to get our students to be uh, up to date because uh, most of the things we have here are the same things that are in Technion. You know Technion? Te- Technion? Yes, Technion in, uh, is in, uh, in the north of Israel. What, what do they call it? Um, Haifa? In Haifa. Technion is in Haifa. Yes. It's one of the best colleges of engineering. And these are the same things we are using. Interesting. That is so interesting. Okay. You know, Technion has produced about uh, three Nobel Prize winners. Wow. And you have been partnering with Technion? Yes, about uh, three years ago, uh, some of our students went to Technion to interact uh, with their, uh, their students and staff. 
and uh, we are trying to have some exchange uh, programs. Interesting. Uh, okay, so clearly Cameroon wants to invest in its own technology and as far as the country on the whole, Cameroon is a very natural resource-based economy, though, currently, right? Sort of yes. what you would stereotype, yes. you'd stereotype an African country as, you know, agriculture. Uh, agriculture, uh, a little bit of mining, uh, petroleum, aluminum, uh, forestry, you know, yeah. we, we, we export a lot of timber. From the Congo Basin, you know, with uh, one of the largest uh, forest reserves in the world, you know, wow. the Congo Basin. And you and you're cutting it all. You're cutting it all down. <laughs> oh, they are cutting. They are cutting it, and uh, the environmentalists are fighting uh, to to stop the cutting. That it should be controlled, so that one day we should not have uh, an empty land where it used to be forest. You know. Yeah, but it it's but, um, uh, uh, there are also a lot of regeneration programs, you know, to, to try and plant uh, more forests uh, where they have cut trees. You know, but I'm assuming they're cutting down more trees than they're regenerating. Uh, even if they are regenerating, these trees that are cut, they are cutting now. We don't know how many centuries they have been there. Oh, so if you plant now, do you think? Uh, <laughs> that means the, for it to be this size, you need to wait for life for two centuries, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, so, <laughs> so they better slow down. They better slow down. If you listen to our podcast or you read our blog, you'll see a lot of what everybody in the United States, the manufacturers, they're, everybody's complaining. We don't have enough skills to fill our jobs. We have too many factories and they need jobs. But... My assumption is that that's not the problem in Cameroon. Maybe it's sort of the opposite. Like, is it is it kind of like um, if we produce educated engineers, then industry will sprout up because you'll have talent? Is that the point? All the investment and in your school? Are there jobs already there and they don't have enough people to fill them? The, the jobs are very few. Mm -hmm. There are no jobs, you know, there's a lot of unemployment here, I can tell you. But it doesn't suffice to train good uh, engineers and technicians. You, we train a lot of them. You know, we have a, one of the best training facilities here. But despite that, uh, there are no jobs. So we need, uh, for us to solve the problem of unemployment, there need to be investment. There need to be investment, especially in the manufacturing sector. Yeah. Because, uh, but there's nobody to invest in that, you know. So our, um, we can say in the whole of Cameroon, I don't think there's a five-axis uh, CNC machine. Really? <laughs> so I was trying to bring the first one. <laughs> and I saw you, you went to a German dealer. I, I asked my German friend, he said it's a very big German dealer you went to, he said he thought it was okay. Are you going to bring this Haas machine from the German dealer to Cameroon? Is that going to happen? I, I'm not sure we are going to get that particular machine, but we are going to get one. Yeah, maybe through our cooperation with France. Uh -huh. um, I think we are going to get one from France. That would make sense. 
Yes. Okay, so you're talking about investment. And so it sounds like there really isn't much private entrepreneurs investing too much in manufacturing, are there? No, they are, yes, they are, they, are, they are no investors in manufacturing. They are very few. Uh, most of investors here are in agriculture, forestry, and the, you know, just uh, raw materials, transforming them. But uh, transforming uh, iron and steel is, is non-existent. Interesting. There is only one uh, company in Cameroon that can produce glass. And they produce uh, mostly glass bottles for putting beer and uh, other things. There are a number of companies that produce uh, plastic uh, containers and so on. But uh, we don't do anything with iron. Everything about iron, we import. And the government wants to change this? Yes, the government has laid down a, a plan to, to, for the country to become industrialized maybe by the year 2035. But it, it, it will not be easy because uh, they are not focusing in the right areas. Even though recently we went into 3D printing, so because our main activity here, one of our main activities here is 3D printing. Mm -hmm. We were hoping that uh, through our school, we can be able to get some youths who can come up with projects, you know, they can, once, they, once sometimes they have projects, but there's no way to realize it because of uh, manufacturing equipment. Is it because of manufacturing equipment or is it because it's very difficult for anybody to start a business or it's probably both? It is also difficult for somebody to start a business and there is no, there's no equipment. It's difficult to start a business here because of capital. Uh -huh. There's no incentive. You know, even if a guy comes out from high school and is very intelligent, has learned a lot of machine work, and even can design a kind of car or a kind of uh, bicycle or something that they can use, he cannot realize it. Because right. nobody will give him... Nobody will give him money to try. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the only way that there is any developments is from foreign investment. Yes, that is what works for now. So you have foreign investment from Israel, and then where's the other foreign investment come from? China, France? Uh, there's France, China, Germany, United States, UK, uh, and uh, other countries, you know. Well, who is who? But who is the most significant investor out of all those? My assumption is the United States, not so much, but I could be wrong. Uh, uh, the most serious is France, followed by China. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. So France, the reason is because you guys are a former French colony. Uh, yes, uh, but uh, you know, uh, Cameroon has a complicated history because France. Cameroon was divided into two, and part was governed by France, and part by Britain. Ugh. So, um, you know, we have a kind of small civil war in Cameroon, in the English-speaking part, because the English people speaking are minority. Sounds like South Africa with the with the Afrikaans and the British. Everybody's just 
fighting over it. Yes. So what ended up happening then after they were fighting? You know, we have a lot of French people here, but we also, there's a lot of, also a lot of investment from the United States, especially in the mining sector. Well, that would make sense because we're, you know, we're worried about the energy and is there much oil in Cameroon? Yes, there is oil. We export uh, petroleum and uh, we also have a lot of natural gas and uh, we also still have a lot of fields that have not been exploited. I like how you, I like how you say that. They haven't been exploited yet. That is, yes. that is a good way of putting it. <laughs> and China is big into investing in Africa, right? Yes. It's, it's just another place for them to kind of put their hooks into. Yeah, what, they do, what they do here now is mostly into infrastructure projects, building dams for generating electricity, building roads, railway, and so on. And then what, what do they get in return for doing that? Uh, they, they, they can, can export some things to them like timber and uh, timber. Okay. And they are also going into mining. They can, they have some mining licenses in Cameroon mm-hmm. and so on. Listeners, first, I got to tell you, I'm so grateful for you guys tuning in. I know we have lots of competition out there. Freakonomics, This American Life, Joe Rogan. Also, I just want to let you know, if you have guest ideas or questions for me or Lloyd, we'd love for you to reach out. And if you want to talk about future advertising opportunities, we're very happy to talk to you anytime. Feel free to email me at noah at grafpinkert.com. That's N-O-A-H at G-R-A-F-F-P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. And now, back to the episode. Okay, everything here is just so fascinating. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the technology. I, I, was, I was just doing a little research, and I came across something called Silicon Mountain. That's in Cameroon? Yes. Okay, tell us, tell us what that is. It is a group of startups, you know, by young people in a city called Buya. Okay, so... So there are some people, there are some people starting their own businesses in Cameroon. Yes. Young graduates from the university, you know, they have studied uh, engineering and they, they, they start up, uh, create their own startups and they, they are running. The government is trying to assist them and they are really doing uh, marvelous. You know? So what, what, are they, what are they doing in Silicon Mountain? Uh, they write a lot of software coding, and uh, they, they are also into some areas like um, robotics, uh, making of drones, and so on. And this this is easier to do because they need less capital equipment. Yeah, they need less capital equipment. Interesting. Well, that's clever. Then it's a good way to have at least some private enterprise the government in cameroon it's is it a dictatorship we'll say it's a kind of dictatorship it's there's been two presidents in the last um 60 years yes yeah, since since 1960 uh when there was independence so the current president is in this uh 
fortieth year. Fortieth year. Yes. <laughs> so you, you guys don't believe in term limits. Mm-hmm. But are, are there are there free elections or are they, you know, free elections in 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 quotation marks? Uh, no, the elections are, we cannot say they are free. The thing is, uh, the people are not yet courageous to fight. To to they don't want to be in war just to to change the, their leader. Yeah. Well, I can understand that because war is hell, and you guys have already had enough war. So it seems. So it sounds like they'd rather just have a dictator and worry about other things rather than, you know, tear the whole thing apart. Is that the case? People or? worry more whether they are able to eat and uh, whether they are able to eat and um, so on. When they are able to eat, they, 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 the government can do what they like. Uh, they know it will go someday. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, human rights issues. And, you know, I was reading about, look, I mean, it's different standards, different places in the world. Is there good freedom of speech in Cameroon? Are you guys allowed to say pretty much whatever you want? Uh, yes, there is freedom of speech, but uh, it's somehow limited because it is <laughs> only limited to to people. You are not free to talk about the president anyhow. Okay, okay. <laughs> but we're not getting in you. We're not getting you in trouble by you saying that. No, no problem. There's no problem. You know, I, I was I was looking at statistics. It's a very literate country, correct? It's like eighty percent literacy for men and seventies for women. Yes, yes, it's a very literate country. Interesting. And why it? Why do you think that is? It. It's just they've put a lot of emphasis on schools. Uh, yes, it's, it's because just because uh, many people want to get good jobs and. Uh, they go to school, they hope to get a good job after they leave school. Yeah. So all the all the people <laughs> will sell their crops and use the money to send their children to school. And then are the jobs there after they get their fancy degrees in school? The jobs are not there. That's the yeah. unfortunate thing. So something needs to happen for, for the jobs to be there. And if there is no manufacturing, I don't see jobs being available because manufacturing brings about so many things, management, everything. Do you think that the government, I mean, the government wants manufacturing because it's good for the economy, but is it also that, do you think the government, and if you can't say this, you don't have to, but does the government maybe don't, do they like the natural resource-based economy because then it's easier to exploit people? No, no. I think they want to. They want the country to develop, and they want the country to be manufacturing. The only thing they don't know how to get there. They don't know what to do to get there. It's a it's a difficult equation. What about women? Are there many women that are engineers uh, or in your school, for instance? Yes, yes. There, there are. Uh, the population can be say thirty percent, thirty percent women. Yes. Okay. So, okay, let's talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing at the school and how that is relating to the development of the economy. So, it sounds like you're putting a lot of emphasis on three D printing. 
Uh, yes, not the school. The school is a school of engineering, and uh, we have different departments. We have the department of civil engineering. We have a department for computer engineering, another one for mechanical and industrial engineering. Then we have electrical engineering and telecommunications. We have meteorology, and uh, we have uh, other programs that we run. So the the is just I'm I'm in charge of the 3D printing center. So my emphasis on it is just because it's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. And give give me a, actually let's let's go backward. Give me a little bit of background on you. So you grew up in Cameroon and you've you've done things various places in the world before you came back to be an academic. Yes, I went to I went to Nigeria. I. I I did most of my university studies in Nigeria. And is that, yeah. that was the typical path for if you wanted to get higher education, at least in engineering? Yes, in the, at least in the area of technology. If I wanted to, uh, uh, to be an electrical engineer from, uh, from, from the English-speaking part of Cameroon, that was the best part for me to follow. Okay. You're trying to change that? With your school, trying to keep people from going to Nigeria and going elsewhere. Yes, for yeah. Now, now, nowadays they don't go to Nigeria as much as before. Because you have your own resource. Yeah, because we have we have many engineering schools now. The time I went to university in 1992-93, there was only one engineering school in Cameroon. But now we can have about uh, five engineering schools that belong to the government. And maybe a hundred private engineering schools. A hundred private engineering schools. What is more prestigious, to go to a private school or a public school? And what's better? Uh, to go to the private, you need to pay more money. In the government, the government will subsidize your education. You pay little or nothing for fees. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but the government the places... Their own qualification got from the uh, government universities, they place it higher. But not that the content may really be higher. The private people, uh, they specialize in the kind of training where uh, young people can easily get jobs after they finish from the university. Oh, okay. So somebody from your university who gets an engineering degree you say that the jobs aren't there. What is typical? Do they end up leaving the country? Yes, many, many of them end up leaving the country. Uh, some stay around, and uh, and maybe at the end they may have some foreign companies to work with, or work with uh, like uh, telecoms, electricity companies, and so on. Uh, the rest uh, can uh, may do get into one business or the other. So you went to Nigeria, and then after Nigeria, uh, where did you go for your own path? I came back to Cameroon. And you worked for various companies in Cameroon? Yes, I, worked for, I first worked for Cadell Construction. And we are building the United States Embassy in Yaoundé. I was uh, the office engineer. I was the one uh, helping the Americans uh, who were there in terms of anything engineering in the office, you know, 
making field measurements and and uh, recording the progress of work, quality control, and so on. Mm-hmm. And so most of the jobs there for these engineers, it's either if they don't leave, it's going to be from foreign countries like France, China. Yes, it'll be from Israel. foreign companies. Yes, so that uh, if they want to earn a good uh, income. So right now I'm working. I'm working for the government. But I also have my own company. Oh, okay. What's your own company? I do uh, supply. I do designs. Uh, recently, I got a contract to supply molds, a plastic molds and one glass mold. So I do the design and I manufacture the molds in China. Okay. The molds for what? Uh, for making bottles like... Uh, uh, can you see my water bottle? Ah, okay. okay. But although this one is not true mold, this is true thermoforming. It's true thermoforming, but the molds for chocolate container, chocolate paste, uh, juice, vegetables, and so on. So I can do the design in my company, and uh, I can uh, order for things around. And, uh, Supply either to the government or to private people. So my guess is it was very, uh, there was a lot of bureaucracy and red tape in order to get your own business. Yes, there's a lot of bureaucracy. But uh, when you are here for some time, you will know how to (laughs) find your way. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have the five-axis machining center yet. You're still you're still looking for it, and when you get this five-axis, what do you guys plan on making with it? Uh, we plan to have it here in the school, and uh, we can uh, do a few things like making of this kind of mold that, mm-hmm. that I that I talked about. You understand? I can make it the molds on that machine, you know, and uh, we can uh, other project ideas will come up. I know that uh, a five-axis machine has the limitless possibilities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the government's stated goal is for Cameroon to be industrialized by 2035. By 2035, yes. And what do you think of this goal? Is it is it crazy? Is it... Um, I mean, it's it. I mean, number one, it's hard to decide what that means being industrialized. But, but what what do you think? What do you think about the future of manufacturing in the country and the country changing from a natural resource based thing? Is it going to need change in the government to do that, or not necessarily? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many people, many people believe that what is dragging the country behind is because we have old styled uh, leadership. And uh, they, you know, being in power for several decades, right from the uh, before we started to use computers until now we are Android, we still have the same president. So their ideas, somebody should have run out of uh, ideas. And uh, we hope that uh, if there is. Uh, so you're saying he's know, an old fart that leadership. doesn't know <laughs> new stuff. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and when you don't, when you don't have to learn because you're automatically just stay in power, then 
you know. So we are hoping that if he, if, if there's a change of leadership, there will be change in many things and the change in way of doing things. Interesting. Because we are seeing seeing examples in many countries. You look at a country like like Rwanda, you know, that has changed the Rwanda. Okay, so tell me about Rwanda. How is that? I, I know nothing about it. I mean, I, all I hear is the, you know, Hotel Rwanda. You, you know, know there, was a genocide, there was a genocide in Rwanda in 19, from 1991 to 1992 to 94. And uh, more, than, more than a million people were, were killed. And uh, it was very painful. But they came out of this. And... Uh, they are the one of the. I think they are the fastest growing economy in Africa right now. Rwanda and how does Cameroon rank as far as fastest growing economies? Uh, no, no, no. Cameroon is on the class. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, what I can what I can say about Cameroon is that in uh, around twenty ten. Cameroon was qualified as a heavily indebted poor country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, so, it sounds like, you know, that obviously that's true. But then you have the Silicon Mountain and you have what, what you guys are doing and Israel's investment. And so it sounds like there's there's certain interesting resources you have. Uh, yes, there are definitely some things here that we don't see. With our eyes, because uh, we see a lot of uh, foreign people scrambling to be in Cameroon. You know, you see the United States even have their largest embassy in the whole sub-region is in Cameroon, and the other countries they are controlled through Cameroon. Do you feel like these countries that are investing in Cameroon are they more out for themselves to exploit Cameroon? Who's getting the better end of this? Cameroon or those people? You know, when, when people say it's a win-win, I'm always, I'm always skeptical. <laughs> yes, you are right. Uh, I can say that uh, the big ones like France and China, you understand? I can say they are exploiting yeah. Cameroon. But the other ones, you can say it's like a win-win. The like Germans. Germans. Germans, Israel, U.S., uh, Great Britain, and so on. Interesting. But, of course, China and France are the ones that have invested the most. (laughs) Yes. But uh, they are the ones who are exploiting the most. (laughs) So it sounds like like you're optimistic, uh, somewhat optimistic, but you're also a little bit skeptical of this 2035. Yes, we are optimistic, but... uh, we don't see us getting there because of uh, we don't have the means to get there. The will is there, but the means is not so there. So what would you predict is something more realistic? Or how do you predict the the country will be in, I don't know, 10 years? <laughs> if leadership remains like this, it will not be very different mm-hmm. from what it is now. Nothing will change. That sucks. But but if leadership changes, we can even move faster than anybody would expect. Assuming the leadership that changes is good, is that, that's always the problem. Yes, if the leadership is good, that good, I believe that uh, within ten years, 
or we'll be having very good roads to everywhere. Uh, not uh, yes, and the security of the people will be guaranteed. You know, you no, know, no, we still have a lot of highway robbery, armed robbery, those kind of things. Uh, some of them people blame it on poverty, and uh, generally the level of poverty will reduce significantly. You know, we, we know that people are poor when they don't have access to portable drinking water, when they cannot uh, eat uh, at least two meals in a day, you know. And that's that's the average, that's the average people in the, in the country. You yes. But uh, you see, if I look at myself, you know, I've not come from a rich background. I've come from peasant parents. From peasant, from peasant parents. Who have sold coffee. I come from peasant parents uh, who have sold coffee and other crops and sent uh, all of us to school. And today I think uh, I have uh, two sisters and one brother in the U.S. who are U.S. citizens. You know? Interesting. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and of course, I have been to Nigeria, I've come back, and I'm here, and I have a PhD in engineering, and I do teach uh, in a few other countries. I go to Nigeria, I teach there, and I also teach in Burkina, Burkina Faso. Faso. So, so, uh, so you see, um, I did not need to come from a rich family to, to achieve this. So, you know, Cameroon is... Uh, the people just need, need a little push, and they will do so much. But uh, that little push is not there. Because uh, coming from the kind of background I, I came from, uh, nobody can predict that I will have the means to study up to a PhD and uh, teach in the university. But you happen to be super smart. So what happens if somebody comes from your background and they're not super smart, then, you know... They don't have a lot of mobility, I guess. Uh, yes, yes. But uh, one thing is that um, people in Cameroon, especially uh, in the English-speaking side, they believe in education. They believe in sending their children to school, succeed in life. In the French part, people are people are less educated. They don't have the same quest uh, as as we do. Interesting. What percentage of the people in Cameroon are super poor, like don't have enough to eat? Oh, it, it will be really very low because uh, most people are very, really, really hardworking. Those who are poor, they, we can say they are poor, they must have access to some land where they can do farming by themselves and they will get food to eat. So many people believe that if we don't have... Uh, a big uh, civil war today in Cameroon to remove the government that is in place is because everybody can afford a plate of food. The day there will be no food, uh, means the, 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 the I see. Will so start. people are just sort of content with having a little. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you think a lot of people don't, they don't even think change is possible? 
there is a, there, we are just hoping that they will, the change will come sooner yeah. than later. Yeah. Um, well, this is, this has been fantastic. Uh, when you hear the word happiness, what does it make you think of? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear happiness? Uh, happiness means, uh, not being hungry, not being hungry and, uh, not, uh, needing so much that you cannot afford. Well, I thank you so much. This was so much fun. So, so interesting. I learned a ton. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you want us to talk anytime in the future? You just let me know. I will. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. Hey.